You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testament. This is episode 13, brought to you by Kickstarter backer Julia Frizzell. Chapter 9 The radio was playing Dead Man's Party when Vicus lifted his head. It was hours past full dark, and the highway wound slowly into the foothills of the mountains. How we doing? he asked, his voice still muffled by sleep. Fine, Calliope replied. Vicus glanced up at her curt reply, but said nothing, and slowly readjusted his seat, rubbing at his eyes with a gloved hand. Are they still back there? she asked. He blinked at her, glanced over his shoulder, then settled back in his seat, inhaling through his nose with a loud and ungraceful snort while flop shaking his head from side to side. Calliope looked at him askance. Sorry, he muttered. I don't wake up very fast. She remained silent and he turned his attention to the side window through which only darkness and the occasional house light could be seen. His head tilted slightly to the left as he stared out the window, as though listening. Finally, he relaxed back into his seat. Yeah, still there. He almost sounded satisfied. Closer than they were before, actually. Great, Calliope said, her voice flat. He looked at her, underlit by the dashboard lights. What's the matter? Her expulsion of breath was equal parts astonishment and anger. Oh, nothing! We're being followed, Calliope. Drive for a while so I can catch up on my no-one-could-call-it-beauty sleep. The hell have I got to be bothered by? She glared at the dark road ahead of her. Vicus said nothing immediately. Then, what would you like me to tell you? Calliope's eyes widened. What? She made a visible effort to keep her hands firmly on the wheel. All right, how about telling me who's back there and what they want? Vicus watched her, his expression bemused. I'm not sure. I'm... Even in the pale green light of the dashboard, Calliope's face seemed to grow darker. I'm... really getting tired of that answer. Sorry, but that's how it is. He turned back to watching the oncoming road. They could be waiting to grab us, or kill us the next time we stop, or they could just be watching us. It really doesn't matter. How could that not matter? Where we're going, we don't want to be grabbed, killed, or watched. Any of those options, and probably a half dozen more, are equally bad. And the obvious answer to this looming threat is a quick nap? She made half of a raised hand gesture from her grip on the wheel. You've convinced me. Truly, your ways are mysterious. He adjusted his position. I was getting ready for what's coming up. I don't have any pepper spray, so... It's in the back. Vicus paused. You packed it? I didn't think I'd need it right away. Can we get to it? Will it help? Probably. Vicus considered it for a second. Probably it would help, I mean. He shook his head. We can't get to it by the time we'd need it. It takes time. Calliope's jaw was tight. So that would be a drawback to your magical car packing ability then? Looks like. Don't worry, it'll be fine. She favored Vicus with a dark look. 
Ficus raised a hand in a warding gesture at her sour expression. We can get this over quick. Go ahead and pull over at the next motel sign you see. He fished in his pockets. The older and more beat up, the better. It was six more miles before the jeep pulled into the gravel parking lot of a roadside motel, a long, narrow brick building that looked like nothing so much as a stretched shoebox with a too large lid for a roof, facing a loose gravel parking lot that looked like it could swallow cars whole. Although it had been built over a half-century ago, Calliope didn't honestly think the place had seen better days. She guessed it had been an ugly and unwelcoming last choice of travelers since the day it had opened. It was a nothing sort of place, the kind that grew up like fungus in out-of-the-way corners, and she'd seen thousands like it. Perfect, Ficus said. Pull up in front of 23. Far beyond any sort of calm or rational comment, Calliope complied, shutting off the engine and killing the headlights as they rolled to a stop. Ficus immediately got out, swinging his ridiculous shoes to the ground as though he had not spent over four hours in a cramped vehicle. Calliope followed. Ficus was already close to the door, labeled 23. Something glinted in his hand under the illumination of the lot's single light. The metal-on-metal -metal jingle helped Calliope identify it as a key. Where did you... she began, but stopped as he reached for the doorknob, and a light came on behind the thinly curtained windows of that very room. Ficus didn't seem to notice, and she hurried up alongside him. Someone's inside, she whispered, but Ficus only glanced at her, his mouth set in a grim smile. I suppose there might be, he said, his voice low and taut. She could see sweat beating on his paste-white forehead as he wrestled the key back and forth in the lock. After a few moments, he let out a deeply held breath, gave a final turn, and withdrew the key. The old diamond-shaped plastic tag hanging from it did not match the darkened sign near the road. No luck? We'll see. He headed down along the concrete slab that fronted the motel, moving away from the light of the lobby. Come on, he called without looking back. The light in room 23 remained on. Ficus stepped around the corner at the end of the building and stopped, glancing back toward the jeep and the highway as Calliope walked past him the truncated black shaft of an unopened police baton in her hand. Ficus spared it a bare glance, then turned back as a nondescript car pulled into the lot, heading for the jeep. They're going to know we're around here. The jeep's right there, and we're not in that room, Calliope said. Good thing, too, Ficus replied, his voice slow and almost amused. Because here they come. The car pulled up. Four doors opened. Four large figures got out. Three of them slid things into the night air that gleamed and looked long and sharp in the bare lighting. Definitely not here to watch, Vicus whispered. They descended on the door quickly and efficiently. One of them, the one not holding a sword, stepped to the center. Calliope could barely make out a few strident, spoken tones from the group. Vicus smiled. Oh, very good, he whispered. You're very good, aren't you? His eyes were looking down and away from the figures, all his attention on listening. Here we go. 
With the last spoken syllable, the door opened, spilling cheap golden light onto the walk and the front of Calliope's jeep. The four moved inside so quickly that they barely seemed to cast shadows. The lot echoed with the slam of the motel room door. The light in the window went out. Calliope waited, noticing that Vicus's smile was back and spreading too far to look normal. She squinted at the room but couldn't make out anything. No lights, no sounds. The door remained shut. Vicus looked back at Calliope, the sweat on his face and his smile making him look like an exhausted but satiated demon clown, which she thought might be a fairly accurate summation of what he actually was. Good motel you picked, he said, his voice pitched at normal volume. Real shame we can't stay. He headed back to the jeep, only glancing at the door to 23 once, a strange smirk on his face. You're going to explain what just happened, Calliope said from behind him as she walked. You kidding, he said, almost to himself. I'm going to be talking about this for years. Reality is like a carpet, Vicus said as they pulled out of the parking lot. They'd checked over the other car for anything that might have indicated their follower's identity, and Calliope, who had worked at just that sort of activity for several years, had found nothing that gave her any clues. The vehicle was a nondescript rental with no paperwork inside, not even proof of insurance, which meant that its absence was probably deliberate. If Vicus had noticed anything, he wasn't sharing. In some places, he continued, special places, it stays nice and fresh and solid. Practically like new for all intents and purposes. Sometimes even normal people recognize a spot like that. Maybe make a holy place out of it. His expression was unreadable. In other places, it wears down. Even then, the uh, carpet usually remakes itself. It builds its own inherent strength back up from the energy of the same living that's wearing it down. It's not new anymore, not like those really good places, but there's nothing wrong with it. Most places are like that. He gestured out the window and back, vaguely in the direction of the already invisible motel. Then you get the opposite effect. He jingled the old motel key. Places where there's no... soul, I guess, behind the living that goes on in a place. The carpet wears down to paper thin. That's very... feng shui, Calliope interrupted. Where did the bad guys go? Ficus shrugged. I don't... He began, but cut himself off at a warning look from Calliope. Uh, see, a magician's not supposed to give away his secrets, but basically what I did was shred what was left of the carpet. Calliope frowned. So they just, what, fell through? Vicus shook his head. I had to have it all go somewhere. Just ripping open a hole would have been bad. Calliope cast him a glance. Bad? The stuff under the carpet isn't exactly friendly. Cute. So, where'd they go? It's a very inexact thing. They went somewhere like the place they just left? A motel like that, probably, but somewhere else. Maybe not even realizing they were in the wrong place right away. Except they probably did not all end up in the same place. He smirked. Seriously. And don't hit me. I don't know. Calliope nodded, feeling oddly calm. So they could be ahead of us. Vicus waved his hand in a broad gesture. 
It could be lots of places. So, yeah, they might be ahead of us, but if they aren't following us, we don't have to worry about them. At least for a while, Calliope said. We couldn't have just broken their kneecaps and left them behind? Vicus glanced at her, his expression tired. We'll have plenty of chances to fight. Usually, we won't have a choice one way or the other, so I like to take advantage of it when we do. Besides, he shifted in his seat. At least one of them was real good. It's better we didn't have to deal with them. He looked out the front window at the oncoming lights of a small exit ramp town and pulled up his hood. You hungry? I'm starving. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the hidden things. Hidden Things